Really, I'm a breadwinner mom who fought to be paid equitably and won. This is Katika Roy. And like a lot of moms today, she brings home the bacon for her family of four. But that almost wasn't the case. The problem started when Katika returned to work after giving birth to her daughter. After her maternity leave, she came back to a big curveball. My boss was optimized, which is a fancy word for fired. The day after I came back, I was asked to take on a second team and then two weeks later, a third team. And while taking on more responsibility seemed like a step up, Katika noticed a big red flag. The issue was I didn't receive anything additional. So my male colleague took on one additional team. He was also one pay grade higher than I was and received additional compensation for that new team. I received nothing. That definitely didn't seem right to Katika. So she brought up the discrepancy with HR and her new manager. This is a great opportunity. How do you want to make me whole on my compensation? They went back and forth for a couple of months, but... I realized they were probably not going to do anything. And I thought, there's got to be something that makes this illegal. Turns out, there was. Katika did some research and found the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. It changed the statute of limitations for equal pay. Basically, every time Katika received a paycheck, the statute of limitations reset. So her employers were in violation of the law every two weeks. I called HR and said, this is a Lilly Ledbetter issue. What do you want to do about it? That pressure worked and Katika finally received the raise she deserved for taking on more responsibility. She'd fought to be paid fairly and won. Certainly it's a story of success. But what I thought about was why did I have to research my rights in order to be treated fairly? And on top of feeling demoralized, speaking up had consequences at work. I had been promoted seven times in eight years and never had a bad performance review after I spoke up. I got a ding on my, not a bad performance review, but a ding that I'd never received before. Katika wasn't sure if she'd received that ding on her performance review because her manager was explicitly punishing her for speaking up, or if there was some unconscious bias at play. Maybe now she had the mark of a difficult employee. But the whole experience made Katika wonder if there could be a better way to put the onus on employers to combat pay inequality in the workplace and alert them to issues without putting people like herself at risk just for speaking up. And it was really in that moment that my commitment to ending the gender equity gap solidified and my journey to Pipeline began. Katika started her own company to combat the gender equity gap to help prevent others from going through what she did. It's called Pipeline. Our goal is to bend the arc of history and make gender equity a reality in our lifetime. To get to that reality, Pipeline must work to overcome deep-seated problems like bias and gender discrimination that can feel encoded in human behavior. So they've turned to forces that are a little less human to help them out. It is of particular importance that we accelerate our adoption of artificial intelligence to move us toward equity. I'm Elise Hugh. And I'm Josh Klein. And this is Built for Change, a podcast from Accenture. Accenture. 
So at least I assume we've all seen this in one shape or form, but yeah. do you have any experiences with the gender equity gap? So there've been numerous times where I have been paid less than a male counterpart. Mm. And, you know, it's explained with, oh, they might have more experience or they went to a different college or whatever it is. Right, which I think is part of the opportunity here for something like AI. Yeah, because if the data kind of shows the inequity yeah. right in front of your face, then it can be a good indication that there might be a problem. But in order to use an AI tool like Python, Line, companies have to really think about how they're using it. Mm -hmm. You know, do leaders and employees actually know how to use these tools? Because yeah. without those things, AI is just another fancy tool and it won't necessarily drive value. Yeah, that's a good point. So today we'll talk with business leaders who are really harnessing the benefits of AI by making sure that AI capabilities are at the core of their business and aligning workplace culture with their AI strategy to take their companies to the next level. When you get up in the morning, when you start your day, you cannot start without AI. This is Sanjeev Vora, Global Lead of Applied Intelligence Business at Accenture. He and his team guide leaders around how to use AI to grow their companies. And there's been an increasing demand for that guidance because Sanjeev is right. Even if you don't realize it, AI technology has snuck into every aspect of our daily lives. Whether it's a health monitoring, following your stock markets, entertainment is all through AI now. Lots of companies have been working to incorporate AI for a few years. Sometimes these experiments fail, but now it's clearer than ever that in order to compete in this new business climate, an effective AI strategy is essential. Large companies have started understanding the power of AI and have started investing and planning for AI in their day-to-day -day use. But Sanjeev and his team know that it's not that simple for large companies to implement AI strategies. Building, testing, and embedding AI into everyday workflows is a huge investment. And if you build a new AI tool for your team without considering how people will use it, that can actually stall growth. Companies are realizing that technology investment cannot generate the level of outcomes they are looking for unless they make sure that the business users start using and appreciating AI. The companies that see the best outcomes from using AI, like increased profits, happier customers, and greater productivity, make sure that instead of just hiring a programmer to build an AI tool and throwing it into the mix, AI is a central part of their workplace. Everyone from the CEO to the customer service reps understand how the AI tools they use work. Sanjeev calls these companies AI achievers. They're the ones that focus on building AI tools and integrating them into their workplace culture. So they're building capabilities on the foundational areas, which include things like having a core AI practice or a factory unit. But in parallel, they're working on getting C-suite sponsorship. These are the companies where CEO themselves are very keen to understand, appreciate, and invest in AI. You need to make sure that all your functions, all your departments, everybody actually have the same or common level of understanding the power of AI. One upside of integrating AI tools into a workflow is a shift in roles and expansion of possibilities among the team. Employees are able to combine existing knowledge with new skills and contribute to innovation on a new level. Using AI to upskill and elevate talent also gives employees a feeling of ownership over their relationship with the AI in the workplace. Business users are kind of involved in shaping up their own future so that it feels to them it's been done along with them and not to them. This leads to a culture of innovation that benefits the company because new ideas tend to generate growth. 
and its employees grow too, because AI has freed them up to be more creative in their work. But there's one core element to all of this, the thing that turns the key and makes the engine run full steam ahead. To get the greatest benefit from AI, top-level leaders need to buy in. One company which uh, I had worked very closely and the chairman of the company, one of the things he mentioned to us was that I want to be first AI literate myself. This CEO wanted to make sure that he understood how AI could improve his workflow. To do that, he first had to take a step back and ask the question, what do I really need help with? One of the CEO's biggest time commitments was a quarterly meeting that took 25 days to prepare for and required a lot of back and forth with his managers. So Sanjeev's team stepped in with a solution. We gave him a personal assistant, AI assistant, which actually helped him to get what he wanted. But he was able to get the answers at a more rapid response time. The AI assistant alerted the CEO to questions that his managers had about the meeting, and he was able to reply quickly through the AI assistant to move the agenda forward. The hands-on experience that this CEO had with AI meant that he could fully endorse it company-wide. Just appreciation of the technology itself, saying that, okay, this is actually quite powerful, but it has to be put in use properly. Obviously, AI can do so many things. So when business leaders begin thinking about investing in that kind of technology, it can feel a little bit like a kid in a candy store. But Sanjeev says approaching AI investment without a specific use in mind can derail your overall strategy. The key thing is to identify the problem that you want to solve. One thing came out of that exercise was that we need to ask business to identify the problems just like the chairman did for himself. Sanjeev says that along with building AI literacy among your teams and top-level leaders, it's equally important that you consider how to implement your AI tools responsibly. If you think about bias from the beginning, both leaders and employees can confidently use your AI systems. You get much more trust. Uh, your people start trusting the system and they are also able to then adopt it as well. Once those problems are in focus, then you've set yourself up to make AI a core part of your business and your workplace culture, setting up the company for growth. We found that companies have started on the journey and they clearly see that they are able to generate much higher outcome for revenue growth with use of AI. It's the start of a new era completely where artificial intelligence becomes a fabric of every company and a fundamental capability to shape their future processes and future growth. So I had an experience with this recently where I was consulting to a company and sat down and plugged into their AI chatbot uh -huh. and spent literally 20 minutes figuring out how to send a message. And, and the whole time I was tearing out my hair like, why is this so hard? I'm supposed <laughs> to be a professional. You know. And I feel like that's a familiar story, right? Mm -hmm. Having to learn how to use a new AI tool for a job, but then not knowing where to start and then wasting a lot of time. Yeah, And it, frankly, it's demoralizing. Mm -hmm. Like, you yeah. know, once I figured it out, then of course I could communicate more easily, but I wish I'd had someone show me the ropes beforehand. Yeah. These AI tools, they have power to do such amazing cutting edge things if you fold them into your business in the right way. Exactly. So next we'll hear more about Pipeline, a company that's using AI to equitably elevate talent, to expand innovation, and help companies grow. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about what the gender equity gap is. That's Katika Roy again, co-founder and CEO of Pipeline. She's talking about the gender equity gap, the fact that a lot of times women in the workplace are paid less than men in the same role. It looks like on average, women getting paid 83 cents on the dollar of men. And in this day and age, why is that? 
It's complicated, but part of the reason is the role that bias plays in the workplace. Bias is basically how our brains work. And when we take in new information, we attach it to existing information. So for instance, what are women like? What are men like, et cetera. Examples of that look like she's difficult. She's aggressive. She's pushy. Even the most well-intentioned managers may hold some kind of unthinking, unconscious biases, which could affect a decision about promoting or hiring, say, a woman over a man. We are about fixing the system. So we're actually ensuring that the system itself is equitable. So we're like the equity engine. (laughs) An equity engine built with AI. Pipeline software analyzes data, info from performance reviews, salary numbers, promotion histories, to actually alert employers when they're making decisions that involve equity. So when a hiring manager is sitting at their computer choosing from a pool of candidates they interviewed for a job, that's when Pipeline comes into play. What we do is intercept people decisions, HR decisions before they're made. So internal hiring, mobility, pay, performance, potential promotion, run those decisions through our algorithms before the decisions are made. And if we find any inequity, we make a recommendation. That recommendation could be a notification that, hey, the team that you're hiring for currently has five men and only two women. Or this employee took on two additional teams and you still haven't given her a raise. Little decisions like these add up to help close the equity gap. But it's also possible, of course, that the inputs can be biased in and of themselves. For example, performance reviews. Katika's team actually did a deep dive into performance reviews sampled from various companies and found that a third of all reviews contained bias. Men's performance reviews tend to be very direct, very task-oriented. Women's are far more about their emotional state. She's kind of aggressive in those meetings. She's not speaking up. She seemed very emotional. And 4% of the time, these biases led women to receive lower performance reviews. I know that folks might think, well, 4% doesn't sound like a lot. Here's what that looks like modeled out. That 4% on average means that it takes women twice as long to be promoted into the same role. These are the things that we see playing out over and over and over again. Twice as long to be promoted for the same role. Crazy, right? And the bottom line is, when people aren't promoted equitably, they tend to stay stuck in a role that no longer fulfills them, where they're not generating the kind of value for their company that they have the potential to. They may get burnt out and quit, which contributes to turnover, and the cycle repeats. But if those biases are flagged in advance through an AI tool that places talent in the right roles, then employees can really shine. Not only are you ensuring that the inputs are equitable, namely performance and potential, you're closing your pay gap and ensuring that it stays closed with every single pay decision. So when managers are trained to use the software and are able to act on its recommendations, it actually energizes and elevates the workplace. You have more perspectives in the room that are heard and valued. You have more labor force talent that you actually have access to. You have better decisions that you're making. One of our customers, one of their core values was around celebration and fun. And when we ran their performance reviews through our system, we actually found that that was biasing against women. That is, women at that company were being rewarded for unpaid work 
at work because of this celebration and fun. So planning parties, <laughs> planning birthday, whatever. That customer actually changed their core values once Katika's team pointed out this problem. Important changes like this are invaluable if a company wants to grow and thrive. A company may listen to stats like this and think, well, our people can make sure this doesn't happen. But the truth is, this AI is not only solving a bias problem, it's solving a bandwidth problem. You need technology to ensure equity. There is no way you cannot hire an army of performance review analysts to go through all of your performance reviews and ensure that they're equitable. Kataka says deploying technology like this has an extra benefit. It sends a clear message to employees that both AI adoption and equity are valued. Almost to a T, every time I'm brought in to speak, I will get messages from the employees like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I'm so excited we're doing this. Like it's a belief of like, okay, the company actually is going to move toward equity. This is not just an issue of fairness. This is an issue of economic opportunity. Most of us talk about it as if it's a social issue or the right thing to do. And certainly that's true, but it is a massive economic opportunity. Pre-pandemic, we could have added $2 trillion to the U.S. economy through closing the gender equity gap. Now we could add $3.1 trillion. Think about it this way. If women are stuck in work environments where they're not equitably paid and respected, are they going to be motivated to help push a business ahead of the competition? Definitely not. But if companies work toward equity, those same employees have the potential to catapult the business ahead. AI tools like Pipeline, when implemented with care and gusto, can push companies to reimagine their values, elevate their employees, and even make more money, all while expanding the definition of what the company and their employees can accomplish. The question is not if we can actually accomplish gender equity, it's will we choose to. And the idea that it's not possible is false. I love this story because I've been a fan of AI and its implications for a long time, but sure. I, I had no idea that you could use AI for something like this. Yeah. And it can really change people's lives, right? <laughs> to get mm -hmm. paid more, to get paid fairly. It can change the culture yeah. of an entire workplace. Mm -hmm. And what Katika said there about leadership showing its commitment to gender equity by investing in the software. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of investment also shows to me a commitment to incorporating AI technology into the company's workflows. Yeah. If leadership shows a real commitment to working with AI, that sets the tone for the whole company. It absolutely does. So next, we'll hear from a company that's truly invested in AI from the top down in order to build a 21st century business in an old industry. My name is uh, Bill Rue. I work for Lendlease. I am responsible for their digital business and all of the technology in Lendlease. Lendlease is a global real estate group. They hired Bill to not just incorporate AI into Lendlease's workflows, but to make it core to their business. It was no easy task. Real estate is a very traditional industry. What the real estate industry looks like today, it's actually not much different than when we were building skyscrapers in the early days, a hundred years ago. It's just been faster motors and a few more better materials. 
Bill says the real estate industry has been slow to incorporate new technology like AI. And that's simply because the process of building is very, very complicated. You have a lot of different parties involved. Architects, designers. The plumbing, uh, the HVAC system, the electrical. Manufacturers, builders. Everyone has their own siloed processes within their own trade. And sometimes when things are put together, they don't end up fitting exactly as they should. Designing apartments sounds easy, right? But I mean, if you think about these kind of buildings, there's all kinds of constraints you have. Imagine a big 50-floor apartment building. Now zoom in. That building needs to have apartments with different numbers of bedrooms. You're placing columns and beams, hallways and elevators that all need to fit attractively in the building and flow with the design. And then, you know, you got a creative designer who wants to curve the building. It becomes much more complex to make sure that you optimize those apartment layouts. I think construction people will often feel that the design didn't consider things that they know needed to be considered. So they deal with things in construction. And of course, that's the worst place to deal with the problem. So you can understand that incorporating some kind of AI tool could be really valuable in streamlining a complicated process like this. But it's that same complexity that makes it so challenging. If you think about it, it's not that people don't want to digitize. It's that digitization and the technology hasn't actually got to the point to help because what you're trying to do is very, very complex here. And there's a lot of parties involved. And I think that that complexity is underestimated by the technology world. When Bill started with LendLease's digital evolution, he began by looking inward and seeing where the company's operations itself could be improved. When I joined LendLease, it was a very interesting time. I think the company knew it wanted to move into these new areas. It knew it wanted to be at the leading edge of it. But, you know, it had been more of a traditional IT organization, right? They were buying applications to solve very specific problems. There's no AI. There's no analytics. Lendlease was using data in areas like HR, finance, and sustainability, but it was all separate and disconnected. So Bill started by introducing digitization and automation in small ways, helping employees access data more easily, streamlining the management of expenses. But then there was the big idea. The longer term, higher risk, but very interesting opportunity. How do you use automation or digital twins to improve how the design process works? Bill wanted to figure out how to use AI to integrate the entire building process, from design to electrical to manufacturing and building. How could Lendlease figure out how to make this historically very siloed process totally integrated and seamless? But as I said, it was a big idea. So he knew in order to pursue this, he needed full commitment from the top. The thing I know is you must have from the top down buy-in. Now, you know, the board needs buy-in, but it's different than the CEO's buy-in. It's different than the global leadership team's buy-in. But all three of those have to be working in tandem. Once Bill got the green light from all those stakeholders, he got to work. And what we're really looking at is not one end-all, be-all tool to automate design. And here it is, press a button, get a building. The things we knew we had to do to transform was a couple of things. 
Bill says that the construction industry uses something called solvers. These are digital tools that help lay out a design. And a solver would be things like lay out my mass timber or precast concrete structure, lay out my facade, lay out my parking, lay out apartment layouts. But the solvers, they don't talk to each other. And that idea that solvers for electrical, solvers for apartment layout are working together, that's just not done today. And there's oftentimes a disconnect and it gets dealt with often in construction. And that always leads to less efficiency, more cost. And of course, when you have less efficiency, you got less sustainability. Everybody's got solvers, everybody's investing in it, everybody's got technology. The hard part for us is how do you bring it all together into a holistic, integrated design where every solver can play its part, but work together. So Bill and his team worked to solve this solver problem. Enter Podium. Podium is an AI software that Lendlease built to bring AI into the real estate workflow. One component of Podium is that it will allow different solvers to talk with each other. It's going to make sure that as a developer, I can work with a lot of different architects, engineers, and design firms, and everyone's putting their pieces in and they can all automate themselves, but then that automation comes together into an integrated whole. On the Podium platform, a developer can see a 3D rendering of a space, pass it along to an architect to design a structure, then that can go to engineers, then the manufacturers, all to make sure that from the very beginning, the design considers the needs and requirements of all those different pieces. I think that's the framework for the future. That's what's gonna move design forward. But it doesn't stop there. Lendlease is also bringing in a data strategy to analyze how buildings are used after they're complete. Buildings generate a tremendous amount of data, but our systems are all siloed. When Bill says that buildings generate data, he's talking about people using them. Whether it's an office building or a retail space, how are people entering the space? How long are they there? Which spaces do they use? How does the environment feel? These are all data points that can be learned from, and that can influence the design process for new spaces. Using data in places, you know, I like to say just to make people more, you know, to make people happier. Like you can begin to make decisions and optimize your own environment. This kind of feedback loop means Podium will get smarter and building design and construction will, in theory, get better and better over time. I think the future is really modeling things out at a deeper level than ever before with full physics. So I think we're moving into this new era where we'll look at things like wind flow, uh, lighting, the temperature. What is the building like in the dead of winter? I think we'll also begin to think about things in terms of sustainability more. What does a rising sea mean to this area? What do temperature increases mean. And I think we can start to make smarter choices. In some ways, the biggest obstacle to this future is overcoming trepidation within the industry, which comes down to the idea that AI might replace humans, which Bill says is way off the mark. You're not getting rid of the architects, the designers, the engineers at all. What we want is the work coming out of them is to be integrated together and to make it easier for them to communicate and collaborate. Ultimately, Bill says, the key part of this AI strategy is deploying the technology to do what technology does best, but allowing space 
for what people do best. The hard part is how do you make humans and automation work together more efficiently when you're trying to change a process? I think you've got to let the humans do what they're good at. So you want to have the creative piece and you still need this automation. But if they do it right, Bill thinks this can really lead to a new era of buildings and design. We really are at the beginnings of a foundational shift. I think that is what really excites me. How do people work together? How does everybody maintain their value? You know, how do, can we all come together to achieve what we want to achieve? We're at the early stage of this journey, but when we get there, I think we'll all look back and say, wow, that was a fantastic ride. This is such a great example of what AI can do. It draws together all these different elements into one cohesive package in order to design and build buildings. Yeah, it's also really exciting to think about how this technology will help everyone from the CEO down to the designers to collaborate. Yeah, it's a huge leg up. It's really clear that if you're not able to prioritize that buy-in, then your AI strategy isn't gonna be the best it can be. Yeah. And since AI is part of everything these days, you might get left behind. So to learn more about the trends in today's episode, check out the AI Maturity Report at Accenture.com slash Built for Change. It talks in even deeper detail about how to ensure your AI strategy is focused on building talent just as much as technology to set your business up for future success. Thanks to Accenture's Sanjeev Vora. And Akatika Roy and Bill Rue for talking to us. Built for Change is a podcast from Accenture. More episodes are coming soon. Follow, subscribe, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review.